I am Dr. Barbara Kiel, and some clients of mine prefer to call me Dr. Bibi. And to be honest, I quite like it. Welcome to my podcast. To be honest, a podcast that is born out of mental health efficacy. I believe in the power of intention, and my intention for this podcast is to educate whoever wishes to listen, and to make a paradigm shift in how we perceive mental illness. I also believe mental health education is key, and that one of the most valuable gifts you can give yourself is to invest. In your own mental health. Let's face it, we all need to learn how our minds work, and have the skills to deal with life's ups and downs. And more importantly, let us strengthen our ability to better connect with and support each other. Strong, empathetic. Nurturing and caring relationships have the power to prevent everyday challenges from becoming more concerning issues like mental illness. The responsibility to renew focus on your own mental well-being begins now. Welcome back. The four phases of narcissistic abuse. Phase one we touched on last week is idealized. Or honeymoon phase, and it is in phase one that narcissist love bombs the victim. Today, I shall continue with the second phase, devalue or demean. So, before I continue, let us set the energy of this episode together. You may wish to put your hand on your heart and close your eyes. Unless you're driving or operating heavy machinery, so take a deep breath in. Hold it for five seconds, and as you exhale, let your thoughts go. Let your past go. Now take a moment to plug into the greater energy of the universe. Feel your heart, and imagine us all connected in a unified field of divine white light. And know that you are safe. All is well, and so it is. So take another deep breath in. Hold it for five seconds. And exhale out loud. And when you are ready, slowly open your eyes. Second phase of narcissistic abuse: devalue. In this phase, the narcissist they experience narcissistic wound when the victim. Responds to inappropriate abusive behaviors or narcissist maladaptive behaviors. It doesn't have to be abusive at times. 
That's when narcissists can no longer hide their character flaws. So every time when the victim confronts the narcissist, they feel threatened, defensive, betrayed, victimized, tries to regain power and control over victim, triangulates, uses comparisons to other people and or flirtation, infidelity to provoke insecurity within the victim and make them feel replaceable, attempts to destabilize victim by causing them to doubt their reality and question their sanity. They do that by gaslighting the victim. The narcissist may also become bored and resentful, looks for new sources of validation and stimulation because they perceive their victim is no longer giving them the supply, the narcissistic supply of validation and stimulation. So they seek new relationship, reflection of perfection, begins to love bomb again and groom new victims. They use victims increasing emotional distress to attract sympathy from others and to justify their abusive behaviors and betrayals. So tensions continue building when abuser begins to make subtle suggestions for change and improvement of victim, delivers criticism, degradations, insults, and name-calling. These are symptoms and signs in domestic violence. The narcissist begins to more overtly isolate victim and restrict control victim's resources and activities. Emotional withdrawal, silent treatment, a.k.a. stonewalling, nitpicking and gaslighting, intimidation, threats, violation of victims' boundaries, communication breaks down, triangulation. So love triangle begins. So what are some of the impacts on survivor or victim or co-narcissist? Now this term comes about because the victims tend to cooperate with the narcissist because lack of strong boundaries or other reasons. The survivor devalued or being punished by the narcissist for daring to confront their maladaptive behaviors or abusive behaviors. They are also being punished by the narcissist for trying to set boundaries, call out unacceptable behaviors, or for not being complacent, obedient, experiences decreased levels of dopamine and serotonin, experiences depression, anxiety, fear, self-doubt, confusion, memory problems, sleep disturbance, experiences cognitive dissonance, confusion, disconnection from intuition and sense of reality, begins to placate, walk on eggshells, 
and go along to get along to avoid conflict escalation. Blames self for problems in relationship. Works harder to please narcissist and tries to regain their attention and love when new victims are triangulated in. Becomes hypervigilant to narcissist oscillating moods. Tries to predict narcissist needs to assess affection, connection, and avoid conflict. Experiences feelings of fear, obligation, and guilt. Begins to deny intuition and cling to the hope for change. Discard, third phase of narcissistic abuse. In this phase, narcissist acts defensively against pain from narcissistic wounds. They project their own shame and insecurities onto victim and escalates abusive behaviors. They continue to feel repelled by victims' emotional response to abuse or their male adaptive behaviors. So they love bombs and grooms new victim or victims. The narcissist feels re-energized from high of fresh new narcissistic supply, feels empowered, entitled, and in control. They use victims' emotional response to abuse, betrayal, to prove to others that they are crazy, unwell, and to justify the abuse, betrayal, and discard. Solicits sympathy from others for having to endure such a crazy partner or selfish partner. They regain power and control over victim and the relationship narrative. So in this phase, abuse escalates. The narcissists display cruelty, contempt, coercive force, rage, loud or silent, commits escalated acts of verbal, emotional, financial, sexual, and/or physical violence, commits significant betrayal, makes excuses. Gaslights and minimizes abuse and betrayals. Invalidates victims' emotional response and blames victim for causing the abuse and betrayal. Discards victim temporarily or permanently. Now, impact on survivor. So survivor being punished for responding to maladaptive and abusive behaviors by the narcissist, they try to calm and reason with narcissists, apologize for emotional response to abuse, assume blame and responsibility. They try to fix the relationship. They try to prove their sanity to others. They become emotionally distressed, unhinged. They begin to anticipate abuse and modify behavior to avoid conflict and the escalation of abuse. Placates narcissists in attempt to return to honeymoon idealization stage of cycle. 
they leave narcissists or are discarded by narcissists, submit to narcissists hovering back into relationship for a myriad of complex and legitimate reasons until leaving permanently feels necessary, safe, and possible. The fourth phase of narcissistic abuse, hoofering, or hoofer maneuver. So let's say you had the courage to get out of an abusive relationship and you got yourself on the path of recovering and healing. It's been going reasonable under the circumstances, and it might be two weeks, three months, or more than a year since you have spoken to your narcissistic abusive partner that wounded you in a brutal way. So this narcissistic partner disrespected, degraded, confused, and most likely manipulated you big time. It was clearly an unhealthy and toxic relationship with a few highs and mainly a lot of lows, particularly towards the second phase and the third phase of the abusive cycle. Well, basically, as long as you discover their maladaptive behaviors and you started to confront them, draw boundaries, and that's when they see you as a threat. And that's when they feel the narcissistic wound. So at first, they idealized you, and this was great, right? We talk about love bombing. But then sadly, they started to devalue and eventually discard you, or you decided you need to discard them. So you decided and promised to yourself, not anymore and never again. Then suddenly, you get a message from this person saying, something, something happened, and I really want to talk with you. They started to talk about the good old times, how much fun you've had, and they are not going to give up that relationship. Now, mind you, at this point, they still have not apologized. And if they have, it's a superficial apology, and you know it. So being a kind and caring person, you answer without thinking it through. Now, if someone asks sincerely for help, you help them, right? Well, not when dealing with a narcissist. You might become hooked again. Any response to such an attempt is an opening to get you back into this toxic relationship or at least engage with this unhealthy person. So hoovering is a way to suck you back into the abusive cycle of idealizing, devaluing, and discarding, and hoovering may or may not happen. So if you haven't heard of the cycle of narcissistic abuse, now you do. Please keep your eyes wide open for these psychologically unwell, and if they seek professional help, there will be hope for them. However, stay away until your own psychological muscle is strong enough to know how to manage that relationship. And more importantly, because the narcissist abuse cycle will go on forever.
until you refuse to cooperate or leave the unhealthy relationship. So, dear audience, if you discover that you are having a narcissistic, abusive relationship, to be honest, no matter who they are, may may they be a romantic partner, a, a friend, a dear friend, a family member, your boss, uh, one of your employees, whoever it might be, the best way to manage is. Number one, not to take it personally. Now, I'm not saying it does not feel personal. Of course, it feels personal. However, you must not take it personally for your own sanity and well-being, because the narcissist they are responding to an inner script or self schema. Which is very often a painful one. It's a painful script, so that's worth keeping in mind. Now, having said that, there is no excuse for their behaviors because they are adults now, and they always have a choice to take responsibility for their maladaptive behaviors, learn the skills, heal past wounds, so they don't have to project. Their pain onto others, and the most important and effective way to manage narcissists is to set and establish your boundaries. Make clear what you expect from a relationship, or at least a conversation, and that it must include some reciprocity. Narcissists are characteristically obtuse. But they do have a learning curve. When your relatives make short work of you, often enough at family gatherings, turning away to have a rousingly good conversation with a person seated across the table, the message does get through. It's possible. However, it is not natural cause of things. So you have to learn the skills to set boundaries with them. To be honest. Spending the next few decades waiting for the narcissist in your life or family to shape up is not a pretty prospect. But if compassion counts for anything, remember, it is far easier to know a narcissist than it will ever be to be one. Until next week, stay safe, learn heaps, and find the courage to be honest. Bye for now. You can find this podcast, to be honest, on Apple Podcast, Spotify, and my website, www.drbarbarakiao.com. D R B A R B A R A K I A O dot com. 